welcome to Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. Uh, hopefully a short episode today. I always say that and it always ends up being an hour when I say it, but um, I don't have that luxury. I have to actually be somewhere <laughs> pretty soon in like 45 minutes. So, so we're going to keep it short, but it's important. I wrote a little blog today to answer the question that some people have about what should I do? I'm looking for a church. What criteria should I use to look? And so I gave you, um, I, I pulled out some seven biblical principles and just practical things as well. And I'm going to share with you some of my experience and some practical things. And hopefully it'll help you uh, find a church uh, or realize that there is no church in your area. So you got to move or you need to start your own, uh, as the case may be. Um, or it might inspire you that you need to leave the church you're in. I'm not sure. Uh, could, or, or you'll, you'll just feel really good about the church that you're in because it meets these seven criteria, uh, if you want to call them that. But, um, uh, you know, this is something that's very practical to me, uh, because I've, I've traveled around a bit and it's, I've been a part of many churches. I've been members of, uh, what, five different churches, four different, I'm trying to remember five, six, a bunch, <laughs> uh, and I've attended more than that. And, um, and so this is something I've had to think through. And so, Hopefully it helps you out. Now, before uh, I get there, I do have a quick announcement. Um, on March 11th, March 11th, 2021, at 7 p.m., if you are in the Naples, Florida area, around there, and you want to see me, you want to meet me in person, I will be at an event at the Naples Grande, 475 Seagate Drive in Naples, Florida. I'll be at an event there uh, for Enemies Within the Church, uh, where there's going to be some, uh, they're going to talk about the film, some of the producers, and they've asked me to share a few words on this. Um, I'm, I'm down there uh, to be interviewed for what I understand is their final interview, I think, their final round of interviews before they're going to put the film together. But, um, but it's, a, it's an event uh, for uh, information and uh, raising funds, I guess. So, um, so anyway, I, I will be there if you want to meet me there. So that's uh, at... Uh, March, uh, March 11th, 2021, 7 o'clock p.m. at the Naples, Naples Grande, 475 Seagate Drive, Naples, Florida, 34103. You can find the info in the info section for this video. There you go. Um, now let's talk about churches. So uh, the church the church search <laughs> function that we're creating is hope, ho- hopefully going to help uh, at discerningchristians.com people at least narrow down some of their options. Uh, and I realize there's not a lot of churches on there yet, but that'll change. Um, I would encourage you to get a profile on that uh, today if you're a pastor or you uh, know of a church that meets the qualifications and you have the permission of the church, put put those churches on, um, on discerningchristians.com as well. Uh, I put a tutorial out, which I'll put in the info section as well for how to do that. But... Um, but but this is this has been a, a persisting uh, an issue for a while uh, for many people, um, especially since COVID and the social justice stuff uh, came about. So I'm going to uh, read you some of this. Um, in fact, maybe what I'll do is I'll blow it up some for you uh, so you can see what I'm looking at here. If I can blow this up. Yeah, I think I can. Here we go. So what to look for in a church. Over the years, I've had the privilege of attending and becoming a member of a number of unique churches around the country. All of them have their own little differences depending on local customs, leadership personalities, and other exterior factors. Some have had more serious unspoken theological differences I did not see immediately. 
I've had the privilege of meeting wonderful pastors and sometimes pastors whom I thought were wonderful only to find out they did not meet the qualifications laid down in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. I've often compared finding a church to dating. Sometimes people know he or she is the one after a few weeks. Other times it takes months. If it takes over a year of dedicated dating, you probably have your answer, though you may not want to face it. And sorry, guys, I know some of you, <laughs> some of you took offense at that probably. Um, I, I, that's the, the key word there is dedicated, just so you know. Some, sometimes it does take uh, longer than a year, but if you're dedicated and you're, you know, if you know every, what there is to know about this person and you're still on the fence, you know, you, you have your answer. Anyway, um, just as in dating, a decision to commit to a church may be informed by a range of experiences and information. And while there's no foolproof way to ensure a church is biblical after a few weeks' attendance, there are some general principles both scripture and wisdom dictate are helpful in making such an important decision. Below are seven factors I try to examine whenever I'm considering joining a church. The questions that accompany them are meant to help laymen determine whether or not the church they're thinking of joining meets basic biblical standards. Just as no spouse is perfect, neither is any church. But some fundamental commitments must be in place in order to make the both relationships work. Here are the seven things I look for. Number one, orthodox theology. And here's some questions. I've accompanied three questions in each category, so you have a way to figure out whether or not the, the, the church meets these standards. What does their statement of faith communicate? So that's the first. You want to look at their statement of faith. Before you even join the church, look at what they believe. A lot of churches don't follow their statement of faith, but at least it's a starting point, right? Do the leaders take it seriously? So this takes some time. You got to get to know the leaders a little bit and see if they take their statement of faith seriously. Uh, are they compromised by false teaching, which undermines their statement of faith? And I'll give you an example. Um, this is one of the frustrations with which the social justice movement is. You have these great statements of faith about the inerrancy of Scripture, the reliability of Scripture, um, efficiency of it, and then they, they adopt standpoint epistemology uh, from the woke movement or social justice, uh, critical theories, etc., and they get rid of the idea that there's some kind of revelation that is accessible to everyone equally that's uh, rooted in reality. They, they deny objectivity. And so if you deny objectivity, you destroy revelation. And that's why they're all busy about, like, let's find the lens of some oppressed group to be able to understand what the Bible's really saying. Well, you can have a great, robust faith statement about the inerrancy of Scripture, but you just undermined it. You just undermine it. Because um, you, you may believe it's inerrant, but uh, what good does that do you? It's not, it's not sufficient, apparently, either, because you, you can't really approach it. It's veiled. The, the meaning of it's veiled from you in some way uh, because you know, you're white or straight or male or whatever the case may be. Uh, so that's just one example. There's, there's a lot of other examples of that where you, know, you have a good statement of faith, but then um, you know, there, there's a lot of good things in it, but it's maybe too general. And so pastors teaching, I mean, in my opinion, this would be, for me, this is, this is, I wouldn't go to a church where the pastor was teaching uh, that you, know, you could somehow reconcile Darwinism with the creation account or something like that. Some churches have good statement of faith. I went to a seminary, I'll tell you, I went to a seminary with a pretty decent statement of faith. I had, I had two professors I know of, three professors I know of there were doing just that. So, you know, there you go. But um, so uh, that's number one, orthodox theology. Now, you know, this, this is when you're on a, um, when, you're, when you're dating someone, oftentimes, you know, if you, you can look at their social media profile and you can see like what they want to portray themselves as. And then you have to get to know them to see, okay, is this who you are? 
So it, it's, it's similar um, in, in that way, I guess. Um, number two, dedication to discipleship. This is very important. Um, Matthew 28, obviously the Great Commission, that, that's a primary purpose of the church, to go and make disciples. So are they busy doing that? Do they have older men uh, training younger men, older women training younger men, women? Now, I'm, I don't think your church necessarily has to have like an official program. I mean, the church that I spent the most uh, time of my life in did have that, and it was, it was great to have that. But um, does it happen organically? Does it, it, do they place a priority on it? Uh, that's the real question. Is it actually happening? Is that what the church is about? If it's not, then you get a question, are you out of church even? Because that's what the church is supposed to do. So is it easy to form relationships? That's a question I ask. Is it easy to form relationships there? If it's really hard, if people are unfriendly, um, that's a huge barrier to discipleship. Uh, that's not a, a place that you can even have discipleship. So that would be a big problem. Are there both young and old serving in various ministries? Look for that. Sometimes there's churches where, you know, the young people are kept out of various ministries so the old people have control, or sometimes now vice versa. You know, the old people are, you know, they're not hip and cool and don't relate, so, you know, that in the minds of some. And, and so that's a problem, too. You, you need both. Uh, do people naturally get closer outside of formal church settings? This is big for me. Um, you know, you go to a church where, you know, everyone shows up on Sunday and then they leave, and you it's hard to form relationships and you, you don't really ever do anything outside the church and the church doesn't really help that. Maybe they don't really do potlucks or um, men's retreats or, uh, you know, if, if all the activities of the church are, you got to show up and listen to a lecture or, um, you know, they're not interactive in that way. You're not, you know, you're not doing prayer meetings and stuff uh, where it's broken up into small groups and you actually get to know people, that kind of thing. Then, uh, you know, for me, that that's kind of like a, in a way, a deal breaker. And it takes sometimes a little bit of time to figure out whether a church like that. But I don't think you can long-term stay at a place like that and have your soul fed because that's kind of like, that's the purpose. It's not just getting a lecture. Um, you can go online and you can get lectures. Um, now, of course, there's a difference there. Preaching, there's there's a special thing going on, obviously. The, the Holy Spirit's at work in that. Um, and, and the pastor's tailoring his preaching for his congregation. So I'm not saying it's just like online, but um, what I'm saying is, though, there, there, needs to be, be, there needs to be more than that. There needs to be beyond that. Uh, there needs to be the one-on-one. Uh, there needs to be, you know, e- even Jesus, right? He had his inner circle. He had then the 12, which were his outer circle. Then he had even a, a bigger outer c- circle with, the, you know, the people that followed him, the hundreds that followed him. Um, but you can only invest in so many people. So there should be a lot of people that are investing in a lot of people. Now, not every church has this perfectly. No, probably no church has it perfectly. So you just want to see, is the desire there? Is, is it possible? Is it, um, are people friendly there? Are you able to do that? Maybe that's something that you can be part of implementing uh, if it's not really there uh, in, 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 you know, uh, the way it should be. But at least make that a category of assessment. Number three, commitment to using the full spectrum of gifts represented in the congregation. And of course, 1 Corinthians 13, Romans 12, verse Timothy 4, um, are there ne- unnecessary barriers to serving? This is a question you got to ask. Because the church, the gifts in the church and the body are for the edification of the church. If you don't have the gifts being present and they're functioning, then it's like going without a liver, going without an eye. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you want to make sure that people who have gifts are able to use their gifts. And everyone has a gift or two or three or you know however many the Holy Spirit has given. And there needs to be a way to figure out what your gifts are. If, you, if there's no way to even get involved in any kind of ministry to figure out what your gifts are, 
And there's barriers to that. You got to go through like, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you got to have a seminary degree to even, you know, try to teach or something. Well, that's a problem. That's a real problem. You don't want to be at a church like that, that has, that, that won't, that, that precludes people from using their gifts. Now, obviously you got to get to know people. They got to kind of know who you are, but, um, but you, you have got to, to be able to use your gift and you got to have other people ministering to you using their gifts. So are there unnecessary barriers to serving? Are there certain ministries purposely dismissed or non-existent? or d diminished or non-existent? This is a good question. Um, sometimes churches, you know, there should be evangelism going on. There isn't evangelism going on. There should be, I don't know, uh, works of service and, and you know, act, acts of service and helps, and, and it's not happening. People aren't doing that. You got to ask yourself, okay, why? Why is that not happening? Uh, and, you know, because th that, there's a gift there. There's, that's, this is part of edification of the body. So that's a question that will help you answer whether or not the, there's a commitment to the full spectrum of gifts being represented. Uh, do congregants know what their spiritual gifts are? So do people going there, you know, have they been challenged by the leadership? Hey, what's your spiritual gift? Can you be used? If you've been at a church for years and you've never been asked by the leadership what your spiritual gift is, and you're, especially if you're a member, uh, no. <laughs> that's a big no in my mind. Um, like, why are you even a member? What's the point of being a member? You, you might as well just be a member of the NRA or something if you're not using your spiritual gifts. Number four, church discipline. Do they take church discipline seriously? Is sin confronted? Is sin forgiven? It's not just shunning. It, some churches get this wrong where it's they shun people and there's no forgiveness. Uh, make sure that sin's confronted, but sin's also forgiven when there's repentance. Are there examples of elders publicly practicing Matthew 18? So Matthew 18, you know, you take before the congregation the sin that's been committed, that's, been, that's uh, unrepentant, to warn the congregation about participating in that sin uh, and to bring about repentance in the individual who's sinning. Can you think of a time it happened? Does anyone know that if it's ever happened? If it's never happened, then, you know, and the church's been around for a while, then uh, you want to take that into consideration. Number five, qualified elders. Are elders involved and transparent? So are you comfortable with them serving as role models for your children? Are they meeting the qualifications laid down in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1? These are all questions that I would ask. And this is one of the, the things that's kept, uh, some people have left churches because I've asked them that question. That's the biggest question I've, I've asked, I think, that has prodded people to leave a church. And it's without me telling them to leave, even though sometimes I know they should. And I'll just say, look, you got, you know, if you don't have kids, I'll say if you had kids, uh, but if you do, hey, your kids are going to grow up at this church. Do you want those elders being the role models for your kids? Would you trust those elders to be, to, it says they keep watch over your souls. Do, are those the people you want watching over your children's souls? Let's say you died in a car accident or something. Your wife and your children are going there and that's the church that's going to be taking care of them. Is that what you want? Is you, are those the elders that you want doing that? Now, if you answer no, I think you got your answer whether you should stay at the church you're at or not. <laughs> that's the answer. So uh, that's, a, that's a big one uh, in my mind, and it's one that over the years has been helpful to a lot of people when I've brought it up um, when they're trying to determine whether they should stay at a, at a church. But if you're just trying to determine whether you should attend a church, um, you, you want to ask, um, you know, are, are they involved and transparent? If you don't know your elders, if you don't know your pastors, if they don't get, make an effort to know you, then there's no way you know whether they're qualified or not. You can know they're preaching, but you don't know them. And they need to know you. That's what Luke 15 is about, right? Even finding the lost sheep. The shepherd, the shepherd knows the sheep. The sheep hear his voice. Christ is the ultimate model of the shepherd. 
are you um, are you comfortable with them serving as role models for your children? Like I said, and do you meet do they meet the qualifications laid down in First Timothy three and Titus one? If you don't know them, you don't know if they meet the qualifications. If they don't meet the qualifications, and you know that, then you got your answer. Number six, evangelism ministry. Romans one, First Peter three, Matthew twenty eight again. Is the church welcoming to unbelievers without compromising conviction? Some churches are not. They really aren't. <laughs> Some churches are, in the name of being welcoming, compromising their own conviction. So that's a question. Are there efforts to reach the community and beyond with the gospel? If you, you go to church and you never hear about evangelism, there aren't any evangelism outings or ways to get involved in evangelism. There's, there's nothing then that's a church that is not fulfilling its mission. And usually, if a church is like that, they're also going to be weak in discipleship. If they're weak in evangelism, they're weak in discipleship generally. And they're not, they're not doing what Christ has called them to do. They're a social club. They're not a church at that point. So um, that's a question that you need to ask. Are they, are they reaching out to the community? Are they working in the community that they're in? Are you encouraged to share your faith? And then number seven, a general obedience to Christ. And this is this is one I really want some of you to think about, especially those from more fundamentalist church backgrounds, uh, and I've been a part of some of those. How often is the Holy Spirit mentioned? Think about it. How, you know, you, you hear the sermons and stuff. How often is the Holy Spirit mentioned? Holy Spirit, and there's a lot the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity that gives us power to live the Christian life that we're supposed, that we're commanded to live. He reminds us of the things that Christ told us. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's the one that gives us the spiritual gifts we have. Um, illuminates the scripture. We're supposed to live in the power of the spirit. We're commanded to be filled with the spirit. That's the key to Christian living. Are you in a church that has the Holy Spirit? And, 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 and you know, you can't always, I mean... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not trying to get like super mystical here, but I think one of the basic things you can ask is, is the Holy Spirit even mentioned? Is a pastor, is a pastor filled with the Holy Spirit? Does he talk about it? Is Jesus spoken of in a personal way? Like the people there, like the leaders, especially, do they actually know him. Does the church suspend certain commands because of extra biblical rules? You could see that in legalism. You could also see that in the woke movement. You know, suspending certain commands of God, we're going to just soft pedal the LGBT thing because of extra biblical rules that we've devised of inclusion and tolerance. Well, that's not the church you want to be part of. So here's, here's seven things for you to think about. And my challenge to you is um, find a church like that. And if you can't, if you can't find a church that, that at least is somewhat like that, no church is perfect. Again, no church is perfect. No, no spouse is perfect, right? So no church is perfect, but find a church that, that matches that as closely as you possibly can. I realize sometimes you're going to have to make decisions about settling on certain things, but, but be part of the solution if you're going to do that. Um, certain, some of those things you can't settle on. They're just, they're, they're non-negotiables. If you don't have a church like that, though, consider starting one. If you're someone, if, if you're someone who, who is in a position where you could do that, uh, I would say, you know, you meet the biblical qualifications. I would say start a church. <laughs> Don't have to have a seminary degree to do it. You have to have a relationship with the Lord to do it. Training helps, but there's a huge demand and hardly any supply. And unfortunately, the supply that is there is mostly woke church people. So you may need to be the one, even if you're a contractor or something, that starts the church in your area. And it might be just a Bible study you start, however you want to do it. Uh, but start, start 
you know, and, and, and a lot of this stuff, yeah, is there hard work involved? Sure, there's hard work involved. But a lot of this stuff that I just mentioned is just basic Christian living stuff. Use your gifts, evangelize, you know, try to be filled with the Holy Spirit and obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. Um, use, you know, like I said, use your gifts, uh, good theology. I mean, these are basic things. So be friendly to people, be normal. I, I almost, I was saying someone the other day, I said, I wish that was one of, you know, I, I can say that's a fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and just be normal. <laughs> you know, sometimes, um, sometimes that can almost be a barrier where, uh, I, I've just, I've run across it before, um, where sometimes, I don't know, I don't know even how to describe it, but, um, Christians are people and, and, and we're normal people and we can take the masks off and we can be normal with people. I'm not even going to expand on it beyond that. That's, that's all I had to say. So I hope that was helpful for some of you. The link is in the info section, discerningchristians.com. Uh, and if you want to come see me in Florida, I'm going to be there soon. So check out the info section and the details are there. So God bless. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.